over. So let's go ahead and continue on with our series. We are in week two of and fighting out of this corner. We're going to be talking about something that is going to be um, very important that I talk about as, as we go through these. And if, if you remember, um, basically what these are is going to be some battles that we're going to be facing, uh, some, some things that are in each corner that are going to come and they're going to battle. And I really truly believe that this is a battle that we have to win. Because if we don't, this is really going to be a, something that can really destroy us and really be a big deal, especially in our culture. And especially in the things that we deal with as far as us in this world. If, if we can win this, it'll help us defeat greed. It'll help us defeat self-entitlement. It'll help us defeat comparison of other people. It'll help us defeat lack of contentment. This is a big deal. And today what we're going to be talking about is this concept that is basically mine versus his. Mine versus his. How many of you have ever seen the movie Finding Nemo? That's a great movie. I enjoy that movie. It's one of the first movies that we ever got Easton to actually sit down and watch with us. And, and one of the things that I always remember about that movie, and I think you guys probably have seen it, know where I'm going, is the seagulls. Mine. Yeah, mine. Mine. And, and anytime something hits the ground, it's those seagulls. Anytime I see a seagull now, I think that has got to be the greediest bird that's ever walked the planet. Now, I don't know if seagulls are greedy or not, but I just know that. And any time they would come, it would, mine, 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 mine. And it was kind of annoying, but it made a good point. Sometimes we could be like those seagulls. It's mine. It's all mine. Nothing that I have is not mine. This is mine. And we kind of grab a hold of those things, and we grab tight with them, and we kind of have to understand that, you know what, it's not yours. It's not yours. And we fight this battle continuously, this battle of mine versus his. And to defeat this and to get to a place that we need to, we need to understand a couple of things. We need to look at a couple of things to not be those seagulls that just typically, when anything hits the ground, it belongs to me. It's all mine. And so the first thing we want to look at is this. We need to understand this. We focus on what truly matters. To be able to let things go, to be able to understand that things aren't mine, we have to start with this. We focus on what truly matters. Look at Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2. It says this. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Now let's stop there and let's understand who Paul is addressing here. He is addressing the Christian. Okay? Sometimes we have to understand that who is Paul speaking to? Paul is speaking to the Christians. Since you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And so I have to ask you a simple question. Where is your focus this morning? What are you focused in on? Because as Christians, God has commanded us to be focused on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Now, are earthly things bad? No. But where should our focus be? Heavenly things. If all our focus is, is on things that are here and not things that are here, we're going to be skewed in our mindset. We're going to begin to see things as mine, not his. We're going to begin to look at things and say, you're going to be start to grabbing at stuff because you're so focused on what's happening here that you don't understand what's happening here. In our world today, that's what we do. In our world today, we're so concerned with where our focus is and we want to see stuff. What's it called? Is it, I, 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 I remember there was a commercial just recently. And basically it was a commercial, I think it was for Xfinity. 
and they were talking about speeds of the internet or something of that nature or what they could do with their internet. And basically it starts out and there's these people and they're sitting there and they're, they've got their computers out. I mean, it's, it's so Western American culture, it's petrifying. And so they're sitting there in their real nice house and they're sitting there with their tablet or their computer, you know, the three computers, three cell phones on the table, I mean, a whole nine yards. And they're sitting there and they make the first comment and the first person goes, man, we're really keeping up with the Joneses. You heard that term, really keeping up with the Joneses. Look at the speed of our internet. And then the next thing that happens is it goes to another family. Same situation, just looks different people. All the stuff, man, we're really keeping up with the Williamsons. And then it just keeps going. And and every time it's just, we're keeping up, we're keeping up, we're keeping up, we're keeping up. You realize our job on this earth is not to keep up with each other. It's not to be able to compare ourselves. It's not to be able to say what kind of car we drive, what kind of house we live in, or what type of, 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 of stuff we got. Those are earthly things, not heavenly things. Are those things bad? No. But our focus has got to be here, not here. When we begin to focus on what's here, we will forget what is going on here. The things that matter, the things that last, the things that are truly important. And if we don't, it'll all become ours. It'll all become ours. And then when things begin to be lost, which happens, or things begin to be broken, which happens, we're going to have some problems and we're going to have some issues. We've got to understand that our focus, first and foremost, if we're going to win this battle, is going to have to be on what matters, what truly matters. And we have to understand that. Now, if you're going to follow me this morning, I've got to let you know, this is a building process, okay? We're going to start here and we're going to build. And as we build, everything's going to start to make a little more sense. But we start there. We focus on what truly matters. Number two, we understand that God owns it, we steward it. God owns it. We steward it. Look at Psalms 24. It says this. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Can you do me a favor? I want you to focus on a word really quickly. The word is everything. I want you to think of your definition of everything. Got it? More than likely, you have this this idea. Everything is everything. It all belongs to him. Everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Let's go on to verse 3. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy presence? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Let me start here with just a second and then we're going to move back. I want to stay here with verse number 4. Why are we talking about this? Why is this important? Because of verse 4. Look at this. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, whose motives are right, whose focus is correct. Because here's the thing. If we don't do that, we are going to trust in an idol. Anything that is not of God, anything that is not God, that we put our faith, our trust, or our hope in, becomes an idol. Guess what was one of the most major league idols that we deal with in our culture today? Money, stuff, possessions. This is why we talk about this stuff. This is why we look at these things. Because these things can become an idol so quick in our lives. 
We can think, I've made it. Why? Because I have done this, or I have this, or I've got that. These are idols, folks. Okay? These aren't... Listen, listen. Let me... I remember seeing a picture, and, and I'm, I, I thought about saying this later. I'm going to say it right now, so we'll just get it out of the way. Uh, and maybe I've talked about this before, uh, and some of you may have seen this. It, it's a picture. It, it's the actual Bible of Thomas Jefferson. Have you ever seen it? You know what he did? He went through it, and where he didn't like what the Scripture said, he cut it out. And so if you look at the pages, it's like, it's like you have the, the, the scripture and then you, you, you hold it up. It's like there's a big, there's like a rectangle that's just gone. You know what I found in our world today? When it comes to these types of topics, we want to cut this stuff out. We, we don't want to talk about giving. We don't want to talk about that it's not mine. We, we don't want to talk about what belongs to God. And so we, we don't maybe physically do this, but mentally, we kind of cut this stuff out. You need to understand something. This is as scripture as true as John 3.16. You have to look at it that way. And I know it's not easy, and I know it's, it's sometimes maybe a little uncomfortable. But this is what scripture says. Okay? And we've got to understand this. It belongs to him. It's not ours. And when it becomes ours, we typically will turn it into an idol. And when we turn it into an idol, we have a problem. Because now we cannot ascend into the mountain of the Lord and stand in His holy presence. And you go, well, wait wait a minute. That's Old Testament. This is New Testament. You have to understand what the psalmist here is talking about. He's basically talking about separation from God. That's what sin does. And it keeps us from experiencing the things that God truly wants us to experience because we've put something else in God's place. And it's stuff. Or it's security. Or it's saying, I have this amount in the bank account. Or I have this in the garage. Or I have this, you know, that's attached to the garage. And all of a sudden, we, we turn this into an idol. But we have to understand, listen, this isn't yours. These, this, this, listen, listen, most of you, I got this in my pocket. Most of you that are older than, you know, 16, have a set of these things, okay? I have my keys, and I have a house key. And that's a blessing, and it's awesome. But these don't belong to me. You go, well, yeah, I paid it off. No, 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 it doesn't belong to us. We are stewards of it. But it's not ours, Everything belongs to God. Everything in this world belongs to God. And if we don't understand that, we're going to have a real hard time moving forward with point number three. And point number three is quite simply this. Because of that, with that understanding that we don't own anything, we stop stealing. We stop stealing. See, here's the thing. How do you steal? How do you rob? You take something that doesn't belong to you. Okay? If something belongs to you, it's not stealing. If I go out, and, and, and just follow me here, and I go out and I get a, a, a bottle of water, and I have purchased that bottle of water, and I take it, 
and I begin to drink it, that, that, that belongs to me. I bought it, right? Now, if someone comes along and takes my bottle of water, what have they done? They have robbed me. Why? Because it doesn't belong to them. You see, here's the problem that we're having. Here's the issue I feel like we have in the church, and I talk church big group, okay? We don't understand that it doesn't belong to us. When I was in college, one of the things that we talked about a lot was was helping people in the church, you know, back in the olden days, back in the 90s, feel ownership of the church. Okay? Get that? And that that was a good thing. And I'm not disagreeing that that's not a good thing. We want you to feel like you're a part of this place and that you are a part of what God is doing. But there is a line here that needs to be understood. Although I want you to feel ownership, I don't want you to feel like you're in charge. Now you go, well, that's kind of an you know, interesting thing to say. So Aaron, are you in charge? No, I'm not either. This is God's. Can you do me a favor? And I love that you, this is so, so kind and so thoughtful. But can we do me a favor? And I mean this sincerely. Can you guys stop doing something? Because you do it every once in a while. And I, I please understand. I love the heart behind it because it's just, it's honoring. And I really appreciate it. Will you please stop calling this my church? Because it isn't. Please. And please, please understand, I understand the situation. And I, it means a lot. But we still, we stop doing that. Because it's not mine. It's God's. And yeah, we all have different roles and we're all part of different things, but it doesn't belong to me. It's his. And if we can understand that with all our stuff, we're stewards of it. With all the things that we have, we need to look at all the stuff that God has blessed us with and begin to look at it and go, how can I use this to make a difference from God's kingdom? How can I use what God has given me to bring him glory? Because if not, we're robbing. Let's look at this verse. Now, this is a verse we all know. This is a verse we've probably heard many, many times. We're going to look at it. It says, for the Lord does not change. Okay, now this is an important part. We catch verse number six in this. Because it gives us an idea a little bit of the depth of God's love. It says, for I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, you are not consumed. Let me kind of, let me break that down. Basically, what we're saying here. Basically, God is saying here, Because I'm such a wonderful God, I have not taken you all out. Okay? You have to understand the context here of what God is saying. He's basically saying, because I never change, because when I promise something, I will do it. You have not been consumed. That's the beginning of this. He says, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me. And I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. Now, let's stop there and let's talk about exactly where we're at. God here is basically giving us some context. He's basically saying, listen, because I am wonderful, and if anyone can say he's wonderful, it's God. Because I'm so wonderful and because I love you, because I don't change, because my promises are true, I have not just gone to everybody. He says, but you have turned aside. You are not doing the things I have asked you to do. Now, let's just be honest with ourselves for just a moment. That's probably all of us, isn't it? We all have turned aside in some way, shape, or form. And so let's look at how God responds to that rebellion and how he responds to that not keeping it. And he says this. He says, return to me and I will return to you. What a beautiful thing that God would say here. God is promising that when we go 
He will come. We don't have, there's not a but here, there's not a maybe, or if you're perfect, or, or you do this or you do that. He says, you come to me, I'll come to you. Which is beautiful. And then you say this, because this is a typical question that we have. But you say, how shall we return? That's a good question. How do we return at this moment? We want to return to God. We know that God will return to us. But then how do we return? And basically it continues, will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and your contributions. Just stop for a second. Let's just, let's just stop here. And let's just think about what God has just said. Let's talk about what's just taken place. God has said, how, we, we said, how do I return? How do I get back? And God's response is, you're robbing me. Why? Why? How are we robbing God? It's because we don't understand that it's all His. We look at it, and in that mine versus His battle, we say, oh, no, 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 God, this is mine. I earned it. I did it. It's mine. 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 That's not annoying, isn't it? That's us. And then he continues. You are cursed with a curse. Now let's talk about that for a second. What is that? Okay, that's, that's a, almost a kind of a scary kind of sounding thing. Listen, this is a consequence. Okay? This is a consequence. You heard of the, the curse of sin and death. What is that? It's a consequence. That's what this is. This is a curse. You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me. The whole nation of you, you are robbing me. Because we are robbing God, there is going to be a consequence. There's going to be a consequence. Let's continue as we move into verse number 10. Is it up there? There. Oh, wait, I skipped ahead. No, let's stop there. Go on back, Nathan. I'm sorry, it's my fault. So we have to understand this is important. We've got to understand that basically we are robbing God. Why are we robbing God? Because it doesn't belong to us. And because we're robbing God, now there's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences. Listen, listen. If, if I would go today after church and I found some house that I thought was real nice and I broke in and I took things that didn't belong to me, guess, and I was caught, guess what I would get? A consequence. That's called justice. I did something, and now there's a consequence. Listen, in our world of sin and messed up and broken, we have a concept of justice. Don't you think God does as well? And we've we've robbed him. We've robbed. But we need to return. We want to get back to God. We We want to experience what God has for us. And so because of that... Now, number four, we can welcome the benefits and the promises. So let's look at Malachi. Now we're going to continue in verse number 10. So this is what God says. He says, after you've robbed from me, he says, so bring the full tithe. Now let's stop there for just a second. Because sometimes I've found that we have an understanding of tithe that is a little strange. Tithe as a definition is 10%. Okay. You go to the dictionary, you open it up, and it says tithe, 10%. Okay? That's what the word says. 
10%. He said, bring the full tithe into my storehouse or into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And therefore, thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. You need to check that out. No more need. You have to understand this about this promise and about these benefits that God is talking about. God is going to meet your needs, not your greed. Okay? This is not you give everything and then there's a Bentley in the parking lot. God is going to meet our needs, not our greeds. He says, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then all nations will call you blessed for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. Here is what God promises. God promises this. He promises us provision and protection. Provision and protection. That's God's promise for us. He is going to meet our needs. He says, listen, listen, if you will stop robbing me, if you will stop taking what doesn't belong to you and give it to you, I will take care of everything else. I mean, you think about what we need. We need provision and we need protection. You see, here's the thing that I I remember thinking as a kid, because I remember hearing this as a child, and, you know, when I was in Sunday school, and we would talk about our children's church, and we'd talk about it, and basically we'd take our offering, and we'd put it in the bucket, and, you know, it'd go around and whatever. And when I was a kid, I don't know if you ever did this, they would have the girls versus boys bucket, you know, and all that sort of stuff, and we did BMG, and is that what it's called, BMG, whatever, and have a good old time, and we would do that. I remember learning that, and I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be great. I'm going to give God a dollar, and he's going to give me back ten. That's not how it works. And you talk, well, what is God protecting me from? Lots of stuff. And I'm just going to tell you, probably a good 95% of it, you are never going to know. Okay? You are never going to know. But he promises us that he's going to protect us. He promises us that he's going to do that. Listen, this may sound somewhat kind of hard to take, But I need you to understand this. All of you are here this morning. None of you are in a hospital room. Not one of you. Thank God. Because I've walked into hospital rooms... And it's hard. Now, I know maybe, maybe I'm, I'm a little more emotional. Than, uh, let me phrase that. I am a little more emotional, you know, but I don't like watching TV like, it, like early Saturday morning because you know what's usually on early Saturday morning? St. Jude's commercials. And I don't know if you do this, but I see those kids. And then I look at my little boy who's under the table in his fort having the time of his life, healthy as all get out. And I go, God, you are faithful. And you have protected us. The country we live in, the world we experience, God's faithful and he's true and his promises are yes and amen. And if you don't understand that, I'm just going to say right now, I love you, but you need to have some, some, some changes in your life. Because your perspective is skewed. And you go, well, Aaron, my life's not perfect. You know what? Neither is mine. But we got here this morning. 
He protects us. He keeps us safe. He helps us. He's a part of that. And then the provision of God. Listen, I don't know what you got planned with with your mom or or your wife or whatever today, but I, I got a feeling at some point in time, food will be consumed. And it's real easy to sit there and go, yeah, that's just what we do, but there are people that don't have that. God takes care of us. God brings forth those things inside of us. God does that for us. Nathan, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to make things hard on you, but I, I missed this scripture, but I think it'll fit right here. Can you jump back to Deuteronomy 8 for me? It says this. And in Deuteronomy 8, you need to understand here what, what is being done and what God is basically doing. He's basically at this point, he is talking to the Israelites. And he's basically, like I like to say, kind of reading their mail because he's God. And so he's basically telling them in a kind of an interesting way how this is all going to go down. And basically he says, when you get into the land that I have given you, basically you're going to start getting a little high and mighty. You're going to start getting a little, you know, it's all about me and what I've done. And when that begins to happen, he says that basically there's going to be a turning away. And you have to guard it. And this is what he says. He says, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember... The Lord your God. For it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant. Which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. Yeah, I remember a couple years ago. If the worship team wants to come on out. As we kind of close all this down. I, and, and I can't remember exactly. I think it was maybe... During one, it was, no, I, I know it was one of the presidential election cycles, and uh, I think the guy's name was Joe the Plumber, or something like that. And there was this big thing, and one of the presidential candidates mentioned to him that uh, he didn't build it, or it wasn't his, or you know, or you know. And I'm, I'm not going to get into politics because that's crazy. But I remember that as I was putting this together this week, that kind of kept popping into my head, you know, because people just were up in arms. What do you mean? He's worked hard. He blah, blah, blah. And, and, and here's the thing. I'm not going to talk about a presidential candidate or politics, but I will say this. When it comes to God, it's his. It's all his. You want to break it all down? You want to defeat this battle? You want to get to the place where you understand how to win this, where greed can die, where, where, where self-entitlement can be killed and done away with, you understand it's not yours. It's not yours. And that's hard. Because listen, we work hard. And we should work hard. But listen, can I, can I just be honest? If you are working hard for a paycheck, you are missing the blessings and the promises of God. If you're working hard because you're going, you know what, God? 
yeah, you're going to use this paycheck to take care of my family and help me buy things. And all those things are great, fine and dandy. But God, more than that, you are giving me this wealth. You are giving me this prosperity so that I, in turn, can share it with those that are around me. So that I can make a difference in the world around me. It's not yours. And listen, I understand where I'm standing right now. I'm not stupid. I get that, that people can walk out of here and go, oh, pastor talking about money. No, I'm not. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about obedience and I'm talking about God's blessing in your life. And I want those for you. I want those for me. And so don't miss the point here, guys. But if your life is consumed with these things, if your life is consumed with trying to keep up with the Joneses or the Williamsons or the, or, or the Carters or whoever... You're more than likely going to be grabbing a hold of stuff that doesn't belong to you. Jesus talked about a parable of the talents, and it's a beautiful story. We love to talk about it. But let's remember who gives out the talents it's the master. Without the master being willing to give it away, the servants wouldn't have any. Don't cut the Bible up. This is true and it's amen. And I know it's hard. It's, it, I mean, if you haven't guessed this, I'm just going to spell it out for you. Probably over the next several weeks, you're just going to get my battles. Okay? And I'm just assuming that probably I'm not the only one that struggles with this stuff. Because I tend to do that. I tend to want to grab a hold and make excuses and, and, and God, I'm planning or God, I'm this or God, I'm that. And I begin to put my faith in my retirement or I begin to put my faith in my paycheck or I begin to put faith in those types of things and not into God's hands. And I begin to rob God. And what's amazing about that is I'm not only robbing God of what belongs to him, I am robbing myself of what God wants to pour out in me. Why? Because there's a curse and there's a consequence. So let's do this. This is a very personal thing. And it needs to be a very personal thing. So I'm just going to be quiet for a little bit. And I'm going to just trust that number one, you will open your heart to what God desires to speak to you in this area. And then I'm going to trust that you'll be obedient. That's all I can do. My job is to present to you what God's words are and what God says. You get to decide whether you're going to be obedient or not. And I don't fret over, over it. But it's up to you. So I'm going to give you a little bit of time and then I'll come back say a short prayer and then John and the worship team will lead us in prayer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father.
Father, we love you. God, we don't want to rob you anymore. Father, in our last verse, we looked at this concept that was that the nations would see a difference. In this area, Father, unfortunately, we are probably too much like the world. We grab a hold, try to grab what's ours. We compare ourselves to others. We forget that you have given extravagantly, so we should give extravagantly. And our generosity is not what it needs to be. But Father, when we do this, you will do your part. When we draw near, you will draw near. And what's amazing is as we finish that scripture, the nation will see it. The nation will change. Because they're going to go, that's not like me. How is it that you're joyful? How is it that you have so much and not physical, material things, but you have something inside of you? And we have to understand it. So, Father, whether we have a lot or a little, Father, right now, we pray and we commit that we will stop robbing you. The bottom line is we're, we're, not, we're not robbing a church. We're not robbing a ministry. We're not robbing a missionary. We're not, we are robbing you. And Father, right now we repent. I repent that my heart sometimes forgets that. And so, Father, in front of these individuals, Father, I pray that you would help me to let go of the stuff I hold on to that I've turned into an idol. And I trust you. Father, I don't want to lose this fight anymore. It's all yours anyway. And Father, you have only asked for a small portion, not because you need it, but because we need to give. It is something that we need to do, and you and your infinite knowledge and wisdom have asked us to do so. So we need you right now. We love you, and we thank you.